to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Check one, two. Shit, three times today. We're all here. Okay, cool. All right, hello and greetings, the damned. Welcome to Pod Damn America, the motherfucking goth socialist podcast for undead pigs. Did you hear about that shit? Undead pigs? What are we talking about? My ex-wife? Huh? Um... <laughs> I uh, I'm Jake Flores. Uh, with me is Anders Lee. Anders Lee here, and our guest this week from Means TV, Nick Hayes. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks um, for letting me crash. Also, no problem. Um, <laughs> Means TV. If you're not familiar, uh, if you enjoyed our Street Fight episode, the clip that we sort of played the audio on, then linked to the linked to the uh, clip in the show notes means that's a means TV piece um, that one went kind of viral the uh, that's a capitalism clip that's means TV mm-hmm. um, so you might have seen this guy's work around Twitter and everything um, welcome to the show I uh, I told somebody I was like I'm dumb to record with the uh, the guy from means TV like yesterday and she went who's mean Stevie <laughs> <laughs> he's a dick is who he is <laughs> <laughs> so I've got an idea for a mascot <laughs> I'm mean Stevie here for mean yeah, Stevie. just create mass brand confusion like <laughs> <laughs> um so are you enjoying your time in New York Nick I am it's it's lovely as always I love coming out here. It's like my third time here. Yeah. I just end up eating pizza basically for every meal. Yeah, yeah. You brought home an artichoke pizza, which means um, you're uh, officially a New Yorker in the way that, like, um, you, you know, you travel into, like, Mordor and you, you get stabbed with a poison knife or something. Yeah. And you're, now you're in Lord of the Rings. You can't leave. Have you been to Times Square yet? I have no intention. You're, gonna get, of- <laughs> you're, gonna get, you're not going to get Means TV up on the big board. <laughs> I, we are thinking about getting some billboards in Detroit, though. Actually, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. But no, not in Times Square. Probably get, can't afford that. Get the Piston big- Center. You're going to yeah, 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 we're going to sponsor a sports team. Yeah. <laughs> get the big red M M&M and M to talk about uh, anarchism <laughs> and shit. <laughs> How, the uh, red and black M and Ms. Yeah, the red brown alliance. That's the M M&M and M is the real <laughs> uh, horseshoe theory. You know what I'm saying? He's uh <laughs> he's a Nazi on the inside. Whoa. Um I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, if you guys didn't hear uh the great news is uh that the undead are real now. Um it's basically a study that happened this week where some scientists I will look up the, the thing This is right an now. extremely like this show news story. Yeah, we have to plug <laughs> in some uh, some spooky shit up here at the top. Um some brain functions may be restored after death. Pig study suggests this is in medical news today. A team of researchers has restored some brain function to pig that died four hours earlier. The findings challenge pre existing notions of post mortem brain functionality and open up New possibilities for studying the human brain. Um, very cool. <laughs> All this is going to be used for is to like reanimate dead people to do like service work. <laughs> That's the thing. New technology under like you know quote unquote late capitalism has uh, no point except for the profit motive. So this just I, this is really just like sorry to bother you shit. I yeah. guess spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie yet. Yeah, you're gonna like order food and like a zombie shows up at your door. Like. <laughs> yeah, like a pig man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like a, like a Porky the Pig man. He's not not, not wearing pants because it's against their ways or whatever. He only wears a shirt, and they, uh, they yeah. have their whole own culture. Then <laughs> <laughs> they bring you, you know, Amazon shit or whatever. I don't know. Um, you get a barbecue restaurant. You get a little preview of what the ribs are like. Open up the tummy, you know. <laughs> they say you eat your waiter. They say that. Uh, human flesh tastes like pig tastes like pork hmm. um they uh if you watch that show larry because we eat slop because <laughs> <laughs> we're pigs baby we're pay pigs uh they um that guy larry charles that netflix documentary yeah. where he like went and asked like warlords and shit about um 
you know, just about Doing comedy bits. and stuff. Yeah. And he, they interviewed General Butt Naked, who's this like African warlord who like you know who would run into battle naked with an army of naked children. <laughs> and uh, he, he would fucking he was a cannibal. He was like the Thens on Game of Thrones, and he would just like eat people after he killed them and shit. And he asked him, "What does it taste like?" And he's like, "Yeah, it tastes like pork ribs." <laughs> but that's um, consistent with uh, like research from way way back where people would interview cannibal tribes and they would say yeah humans taste like pig that's why they call it when they serve humans they call it long pig long pig yeah just big pick on long pig or whatever so like i guess that they're they're kind of saying in this article that like well we can we can reignite a pig brain pretty much the same thing as a human brain right yeah um so yeah we're in hell (laughs) (laughs) i don't really see anything that unethical about Eating another person if they're like okay with it, <laughs> you know, if it's uh, consensual. Yeah, if it, you know, like uh, people will often say, "I don't care what you do with me when I die." Uh, you know, why not use them for nutrients? All right, Anders, whichever one of us dies first, the other one eats. <laughs> All right, we'll get a, a pact in writing. Yeah, and uh, well, yeah, we'll make a form a death pact where one of us has to eat each other, and then we'll do a podcast about what it tasted like. Yeah, what do you think I would taste like? Cigarettes, <laughs> yeah, a smoky, a nice smokiness to this, food, right? Yeah, and then if I'm eating like Anders's skull, I'm like, wow, it tastes like kratom. <laughs> I'm getting it's kind like of a powder in this shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure to eat a lot of pork and kratom. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, it's um, it's day fucking uh, three million of the Mueller report thing. Uh, it's happening as we speak, so there's not much to report on. But there's also not much to report on because there's not much to report on. Um, Did you see like the redacted? It's just like pages of just like black, and it's like redacted, redacted. <laughs> and people are like, like it's out, baby. Like, <laughs> yeah, the thing that's so frustrating about the redacted part is that like you know because there's all this redacted shit, that means that for a lot of people that are diehard Mueller people, the story's not over because what's under the redacted it's part? It's never gonna end. Yeah, I'm waiting for like text from my dad being like, "Did you see the new report?" <laughs> <laughs> um. I my but my thing with this whole uh, this whole redacted report is that uh, Attorney General William Barr, right? Uh, Bill Barr. What if it was Attorney General Bill Burr? That'd be cool. And then uh, all the uh, all the redacted parts are just cuss words. <laughs> it's just him saying "cunt" all the time. <laughs> that's what I'm imagining. This is all about fucking collusion. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the voice. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Yeah. So I mean, th- this is going to be a horrible day on Twitter, but this will probably be. Uh, this will come out a week afterwards. So, um. Yeah. Uh, nothing has changed. Yeah, I'm it will imagine. be the same. I'm just going to call it now. <laughs> there will be no evidence. People will be saying there's evidence. <laughs> um. As long as we're talking about uh fucked up animal shit, what is this thing that happened with the bees? Taiwan, a woman <laughs> was, I believe, in a wind tunnel or something she was no she was like doing shit at her like parents grave or because it's like these bees love graveyards i guess wait was she trying to get a snack was she trying to kind of hungry trying to eat her parents (laughs) (laughs) right she heard our podcast uh i guess she was like cleaning their grave and there was like a gust of wind like blew a bunch of like bees in her (laughs) fucking eye (laughs) yeah it just went in they just slipped in there yeah and they were feeding off of her tears oh Mm -hmm. my god right that's yeah, but they got him out, and they almost blinded her. But it was like, like insanely precise surgery. I feel like those bees were like having the Matrix experience, where they're just like living in those little like juicy like containers or whatever, and they're just somehow sustained by that. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's gotta be weird for the bee. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I immediately thought about was <laughs> what was going cool. through those bees' heads. They probably. That's probably like they got a mate. You know, they don't have to worry about getting swat. It's like a nice little insular. Yeah, they're place like, to live. They're like the fat people from Wally, you know, like on yeah. spaceship. They're just like all of our shit <laughs> like is taken care of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, that, yeah. This this is one the future liberals want for bees, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just coddled just bee welfare. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to fly anywhere. They just did, directly are fed tears. <laughs> did they kill the bees after remove, or they just flew right out of there with prejudice? I believe. Yeah, oh, okay. I would imagine. Damn. Yeah, I once had a mosquito in my ear. Ooh, and that was oh, very dude. unpleasant. We're like living in there, or just like buzzing around, buzzing, buzzing around. For it was, you know, I could hear it, so it was. I got it out pretty quickly, but it was uh, very unpleasant. A lot of blood. 
I really hate the stories about like spiders, like the like they're like a spider nest was found in the this woman's temple, and like eight hundred spiders crawled out or whatever. It's like that shit when I was younger, I was like, damn man, you got to really look out for like spiders just nesting in your head and stuff. Yeah, that's nightmare fuel, man. <laughs> so Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the work you're doing over at Means TV? Yeah, totally. So. Um, Means TV is a project that my partner Naomi and I started around like a year and a half ago. Um, we did the like original uh, campaign video for like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and then we did some stuff for like Kanyela Ng, and kind of went around the country doing videos for political campaigns. And um, that was like a really interesting experience. Like we had like you know some success with Alexandria, um, and we wanted to kind of try and find a way to. Uh, build power for socialism for like leftism um, through culture as well like not just kind of through the electoral process and so that's kind of the idea behind means tv is uh, creating entertainment uh, not only that's like through a worker owned model but that sort of advances these ideas around like what is socialism and like what is the relationship between the owning class and the working class and sort of laying that out to people in like a very basic like visceral way people understand yeah i think that we probably have a pretty similar approach to the cultural stuff because like i like uh these videos seem to be like kind of uh real entry level and basic and like bite size and that's kind of the point of uh making you know what you know you could describe almost as like propaganda or whatever you know for a good reason obviously it's um, totally propaganda like yeah. everything is propaganda so yeah. it's just we're honest about it like mm-hmm. here's our perspective like this is what it is and right. so we're doing all these like little short videos we're, we're you know kind of like a now this or sort of thing but with like little comedy skits and like uh We've kind of thought about it like a college humor and now this if they weren't like super shitty. Yeah. You know, and you mean uh, like a video that's about something good and not invading Venezuela because it's a quote unquote dumpster fire. Yeah. Or that's like funded like a sponsored ad by the Saudis or you know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. So yeah. uh, we're just releasing all these kind of short videos now as like a proof of concept because we basically use the profit from uh, the videos we did for electoral people to like fund all these different little sketches. And so now we're trying to raise money to actually do some like longer form TV shows, like movies, um, reality shows, animated shows, um, all that stuff on like a sort of streaming platform, like similar to Netflix. So right now we just have like a website that's kind of talks about what we're trying to do, talks about the fundraiser. But the end goal is like by the end of this year to have a uh, streaming platform up and uh, have all the shows and movies and stuff on there. Cool. Yeah, I love it. And you, so you, you said you're worker owned. Like, what's the, what are the nuts and bolts of how that functions, and how do you envision that possibly playing out one day over the, the rest of the economy? Yeah. So the work, co-ops rule, and I've learned a lot about co-ops in the last like two years. And basically, our structure is there's a lot of different types of co-ops. I've learned there's like multi-stakeholder co-ops. There's like all these different sorts of things. We're just pursuing a pretty straightforward worker ownership model, which is anybody who's like a full-time employee at Means Media uh, within a certain time period, like a year or two, gains access to full voting rights and a share of the company's profit. So it would be like if we were to hire somebody and they come like after two years, they would then have the same voting power in the company as like me or whatever. Sure, yeah. Um, and that's a way to just like run a more efficient business. Like I don't want to be a small business owner, <laughs> you know. And like, uh, it's a it's a it's a better way to run a business, and it's a a socialist way to run a business. And having that sort of democracy baked into a company like allows us to uh, call out like people who don't have that right. And it's like to me, it's sort of this next like right now we're seeing all this really positive energy around unionizing and digital media and that's really great but like unions can't prevent layoffs like unions can't um prevent firings or necessarily control the sort of content that's Mm -hmm. going out so to us this is like kind of the next stage for digital media like democratic ownership is like actually having them be worker cooperatives and and putting some of that decision making power with the employees yeah totally um, the other thing, uh, just in regards to culture, I, I want to touch on, because we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but um, something I think is important that's uh, sort of new is that, okay, so you know, if you understand the sort of Marxist theory of uh, the superstructure and everything, then you kind of have this idea that like, uh, 
culture is a product of society and liberals are idiots because they have it the other way around they have they think that if you change the culture then you change society and that's why every liberal is kind of you know like obsessed uh, with talk shows yeah, yeah <laughs> and like representation in like fucking tv shows that who gives a shit about and right. like you know oh, don't make jokes about this and that or whatever because they have the arrows mixed uh, mixed around they mm-hmm. think that like the culture and the art that you create then changes society whereas like you know a good marxist is kind of go like no like f- if you fix society then there won't be these cultural things that you hate because these right. are the symptoms of the problem. And that's kind of where I land. But I also, I think that a lot of leftists, especially because they're, they're going off of like texts that are from the past and not from an era where like the internet makes everything really instant. Mm-hmm. They have it a little bit behind the times. And I think now that there's an argument that could be made that there is, there is sort of a, like a, a power in propaganda and in cultural ideas and it like in our really fast ability to shift ideas now it's just that it's not through you know uh fucking wonder woman being puerto rican or some shit it's it's through more like actually getting proper ideas through uh pieces like this and stuff like that or that the the superstructure is still part of the base there's a a a uh, material component that goes into producing any form of media and that you know that like as you're saying the the structure of, of a company producing media um, is matters and that that go that coincides with other m- movements and things happening in the in the economy and the political world yeah and I, I think like like you were saying Jake like with the advent of mass media like cable news and then now with the internet it's like yeah, we have to, I think, alter that kind of analysis a little bit because I do think that, yeah, like liberals have it wrong. They do think culture is like the way, the, the way to power, which if they're trying to preserve capital is like kind of true, you know. But um, I think that as like a sort of anti-capitalist movement, right, or like a socialist movement, uh, they're both like equally powerful in that like we have to make strides in both. And we have to sort of explain what we're doing in the culture and stuff like that. Because it's like, who's like the main outputs of culture and under capitalism right now are basically digital media companies that are just funded by people who don't give a shit if it's profitable necessarily. Like, so, you know, they're just cranking out whatever they want to crank out and that advances the agenda of what, whoever owns it. Right. And then you have studios in LA that are run by like six guys that have been making shitty movies for like 60 years now, you know, and, <laughs> Uh, and they're like highly misogynistic. They're like often racist. They're definitely classist and they're individualistic and they're militaristic. Like there's all these different components about the sort of um, like cultural products being created under capitalism. And so yeah. even, you know, obviously even as a co-op, we exist under capitalism, but it's like we're freed up just a, like a little bit more than everybody else to kind of talk about whatever the fuck we want. And like we have an ideology and we're, clear about that like in the same way fox news is like we want fascism (laughs) it's like we want socialism and like communism and anarchism yeah and the fox news thing is interesting because like a lot of people will tell you that like um you know like a lot of leftists will tell you that the the, you know there's no such thing as a bad outlet and like these things do not dictate culture but then it's like you know case in point like fox news did something to society like they're yeah they've definitely led to the like some brain rot for sure (laughs) yeah and like some violence on like yeah people who are already marginalized and stuff like yeah and cable news like you know the rest of them are all you know very guilty and shaping like ideology on some level and like um you know other big platforms like your you know your alt-right weirdos your jordan petersons and joe rogans and stuff like that i mean like on some level there is some change that's happening there so i think it's like way more complex of a question and i also think that another good you know just uh exam like if you're if you don't think that this is you know, possible. I mean, just look at the fucking Overton window and how fast it's been shifted. Sure, that happened through like electoral stuff, like Bernie Sanders and AOC and all this shit. But um, I don't know. I think about this sometimes because, like, I was um, at one point recently was working on like a, an event with some sex workers and like was sort of talking to them about their specific problems and and like how to solve them through doing like um, you know we were going to try to do like an event and you know, make media and stuff like that. And I was talking about this culture, uh, you know, society superstructure thing or whatever. And um, somebody brought up a really good point. One of these sex workers was like, no, that's actually like, that's a, 
we need that a lot because one of the biggest problems with that line of work is stigma and mm. stigma is a huge cultural thing. And if you look at like, you know, how, um, the perception of like LGBTQ, like queer people, gay people and everything has changed over like the last, you know, 10 or 20 years. I mean, that didn't happen because of like a fucking, you know, Harvey milk or something like alone. I mean, it also was like highly cultural, like yeah, it was like characters yeah, on TV and shit exactly like, that. like purposeful infiltration of culture and like yeah. yeah. So I totally agree with those people. Uh, yeah, it's like you have to be doing both and and like we have to be we have to be kind of on, like I like it means TV is sort of like on the edge of like normalizing language around socialism and communism and anarchism because yeah. like most people are still freaked the fuck out by right. the word yeah. communism. But it's like it's cool. It's fine. You know, like it's actually just like workers owning the means of production. So it's cool. But yeah. so I think it's like rehabilitating some of this language that for so long has been um, like scary to people because of the red scare, because of the crackdown on socialism. So uh, I think that is kind of where our heads are at is like really rehabilitating like the furthest left edge of socialism so all of it becomes more palatable right either yeah. scary or like extremely boring like this would be i mean it is impossible to have like a revolution or a socialist movement without yeah mass consciousness like 10 years ago uh there's nothing like you you can't expect like the best you can do is tell people uh go on youtube and watch a three-hour david harvey lecture like that's not gonna happen you know yeah and it's like as a guy who like you know i read some books but i don't read Mm -hmm. that many books you know what i mean like who has the time but overrated uh (laughs) truly listen to podcasts there you go just listen to podcasts uh but it's like yeah i want to like watch a fucking two-minute video and be like cool i understand socialist feminism at least at its like most core kind of thing and maybe now i want to go read more about it or watch some other shit about it and so it's kind of like yeah it's like if we're trying to just like create pamphlets and stuff like that for people it's like people aren't going to read that shit but like people do watch video because it's like an insane medium that just like goes into your brain and like sits there for the rest of your life yeah i think that if we really want to get the message out about socialism and anarchism uh in order to reach our most uh probably high functioning and uh highly effective players in society what we need to do is sort of uh, rewrite the Everlast hit, What It's mm. Like, because apparently <laughs> Pete Buttigieg, and this is the quote, uh, Pete Buttigieg is asked what song describes his life, and he mentions Everlast, What It's Like, as one that doesn't necessarily describe his life, but describes, quote, the way we should come to politics. <laughs> uh, this is Jesus like the Christ. wonderkin of the Democratic Party right now. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, what would that song be like? I seen a worker strike. I seen a soldier dude, revolt. Dude, I've you can a- do this with this song in your head all day. I used to do it when I first moved to New York, and I was just thinking about stand up a lot. And I wrote, um, I wrote a spoof of it that was like, uh, I seen a good man. I seen a bad man kill. I seen a good man bomb. I seen a a girl write for guy code just to pay the bills. I fucked it up, but it's like so, somewhere in there. It's very refillable. It's a very dumb song where it's just a guy sauntering around a spooky neighborhood and seeing things and being moved by them. Yeah, I mean, Pete's deep, man. You know, what can you say? Yeah. Like, I can't say his last name, but, you know, he's a deep guy. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a boot edge edge. Right. It's, it's boot edge the, I feel like that's gonna hamper his fucking campaign almost more than anything. <laughs> it's just nobody can say his goddamn last name. It's like, but but Chug, but Buttigieg. Yeah, well, I mean, but I think the fact that it people are talking about it and being having this little, you know, cute little how do we say it is like kind of working in his favor, you know. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, something about people with like the worst names ever is that they all. They all want to become substitute teachers and they want to run for office. I, I don't know why you wouldn't just sit that out right. immediately. It's this, and he has this sort of self-satisfied smirk about him when people are struggling with his name. Did you see that like baby face picture of him that was on the cover of, I don't know what magazine it was. It might have been Rolling Stone or something, but it was like they like buffed his face up. He looked like uh, he looked like Eric Wareheim where he was just like a shiny boy, like oh. just like gleaming, like looked like a plastic dude. It was so weird. <laughs> the Botox Buttigieg. He's, there, there you go. That's yeah. how we take him down. <laughs> yeah. He's been taking all of his money and spending it on Botox. <laughs> yeah, you really should. Like, I, I get no pleasure out of people struggling with Anders. Like, it's it's a, a curse on my life, you know? It shouldn't be seen as uh, yeah. a fun fun little game. Yeah. Um, these people are just insane, like, narcissistic masochists, yeah. I think. 
Um, you got to be kind of a ding dong to run for president, I think. Um, let's see. Especially in a field this big, it's like there's like 80 people running for president right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, something else, Pete. <laughs> what, what else is- should we talk? There's a couple other weird things that happened in the news this week. Uh, the chairman Dow is a thing again. He's like self. Uh, referring as to he's referring to himself as chairman dow uh, peter dow he's referring to himself as chairman dow or ch- yeah he's like come full circle he's now. like a maoist now now he's like winking about it and shit um <laughs> yeah he's on the he's on our side now dow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well fair friend well what he said is that he's like it was just kind of he kind of admitted to just being a hired gun like he said that originally he was thought saw himself some sort of a liaison between what was at the time of Kerry campaign in 2004 and like the broader progressive movement and then that turned into the Hillary Clinton campaign and he was just kind of doing his job and now he's sees himself as just like wanting to get Trump out of office and you know like a rational person sees Bernie Sanders as a very good uh, way to do that yeah and it's very uh, troubling for all of his reply people but I uh, I was thinking about him a lot this week and I tweeted a joke about like starting a uh, I'm gonna start a goth band called Dow House, <laughs> and uh, I, I guess I didn't like. I haven't thought about Peter Dow in a long time, and I hadn't really like put this together. But he used to be like a DJ, like really? Yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was like a jazz band. Like, I mean, and that's what the if he wants to bring the Republic together, that's where he's gonna make the most impact is doing some cover band shit, like going around. Well, you were saying he was a saxophone guy. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm like mixing him and Bill, but I think he was doing like jazz, like like he was. I think it was a jazz cover band that he was like pulled from to do like political work for the DNC. <laughs> Wasn't he also like in a Lebanese military conflict? Or am I thinking of somebody else? Um, he grew up in like a war zone is something he refers to a lot. Okay. Um, the 2016 primary? Uh, well, Ayo. Folks, he's two years old. <laughs> yeah, he's a baby. Baby now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, back to the uh, topic a little bit. Um, so you're from Detroit, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, not from there, but I live there. You live no. there, okay. Yeah. Uh, has that inspired any of the work you're doing? Uh, fuck yeah, because Detroit is uh, totally ra- a city ravaged by capital. Like, um, you know, on my street, there's like three other people who live in homes, and all the other homes are empty or they're being uh, bought up by this like developer that's buying houses and then renting them for like way more than anybody would ever have a mortgage for so sure. i mean there's and yeah it's just you're com- you're completely in detroit surrounded by like oh like our society is failing people miserably and like the air pollution is a huge issue in detroit there's like all these insane industrial sites like the river is completely fucking polluted like uh it's you're yeah you're just it's there's no escaping just like people being screwed by like a Oh, totally exploitative system so it's like we like i do like i also like detroit for other reasons that are like not negative but <laughs> it is uh it is a it's like doing anti-capitalist content out of there feels very right um, are, are people like receptive to it i mean there's like a lot of different communities in detroit you know what i mean like so i think in the film community people have been receptive like detroit used to actually put out more film uh, per day than Hollywood did. Wow. And there was this whole studio ad infrastructure there that wound up kind of getting demolished when like uh, white flight happened and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, like there is this kind of history of it there. And so like we kind of want to revive some of that like presence of film and entertainment because it's like cheap as hell to shoot in Detroit. You know what I mean? As opposed to like going to LA where everything is like, like if you go into a liquor store in LA, they have filming prices like next to the counter, you know, it's like yeah. everybody's so jaded and used to it. Where in Detroit, people are still like excited to be a part of like a TV show or right. stuff like that. So there's a lot of reasons why I like it, but it's always overcast and the air quality is very bad. I like that. Um, there is kind of something to like this, uh, to, to producing media now where like I was talking about this with the street guy street fight guys a little bit or whatever but like uh, rather than us all have to fucking pack it up and go to LA or New York and like you know not be able to live here essentially and you know compete in an unlivable situation um, now because of all this mass communication stuff creating like you know it's sort of destroying the monoculture and destroying like a lot of gatekeepery sort of situations. Like 
it seems like we can sort of do this stuff out of Detroit or anywhere. I mean, it's like I'm tired of as like a person who's working in entertainment. It's like I'm tired of having to like run my ideas by some fucking schmuck. You know what I mean? Mm. And like like change my shit around so that some executive or whatever thinks it's like a good idea for their platform or whatever. It's like uh, there, like you just said, there's so much gatekeeping and to just like. And it's none of it is like it's not like they add any value like they don't know what the fuck they're doing and they make right. bad TV and bad entertainment so it's like if we just cut that them out of the process like we can just make the raw like good ass <laughs> you know and like yeah something that's been kind of like troubling me a little bit about thinking about this sort of stuff though is that like when I because you know, like when I talk to other people that work in entertainment it's I I feel like um, they're a little bit gaslit and I don't blame them because so we used to have the model culture right and if you're like a comedian like me and Anders then you were trained on a system where like your goal was to sort of uh, you know get on these huge platforms get on like Saturday Night Live and fucking late night and all this stuff right and what happens is when you get those jobs um, you know you if you get if you you do really well you can get one of these highly sought after jobs right and so there's 1% of these jobs. There's 99% of people that are in competition for those jobs. Mm-hmm. And because there's such a huge stratification there, everyone lives in squalor until they hit the jackpot and they get like, you know, you might get this huge payoff thing. Right. And so everyone's kind of fucked, but the, the prize is really big. Um, but even off, even often when you get those jobs though, you don't make that much money. You kind of make a living wage or whatever. And what's happening now through like this Patreon thing and like everything being flattened out and the internet just changing the way you monetize stuff is that now those jobs don't pay as much anymore because people aren't watching TV and stuff. And so like a lot of comedians will tell me like, you know, they're worried about like this podcasting stuff. Cause it's like, well, there's like so much of it. There's like a glut of, of, you know, media, like, what am I going to start a show about politics? There's already a fucking show about politics. Right. And you kind of look at them and go, <laughs> well, you're still thinking that you need to be the biggest show of all time. But what you can be as a fucking entertainer now is somebody who has like 10, 20,000 fans. Yeah. Find your audience. And then, yeah, that's like a huge part of means TV. Even that we talked about is like all these different podcasts have different audiences. Like there's obviously some overlap, but it's like, people who listen to Chapo or are going to be different than people, people who listen to street fight or people who listen to you guys. And it's like by centralizing that content yeah. it is a way for like, Oh, if I like Chapo, I'm going to go watch this Chapo video. Oh, what's street fight. I'm going to watch street. You know, it's like, it's a way to get, to draw people into other content. But as someone who's making propaganda to try to get a political message across, do you find that limiting? Because like, it's the, I feel like the goal would still be like, yeah, how do we get on like the fucking national stage with this stuff? You know? I mean, it's like Fox news, played one of our videos on air the other day that's true (laughs) so it's like that's like the biggest cable news network and they gave us free advertising all right listen comedians you heard it here you no longer are you trying to get on conan no longer you're writing these packets for late night what you got to do is get you just get on fox news just piss off fox news enough yeah come on means tv we'd love to have you and we'll fucking trigger a bunch of conservatives with whatever you say you literally you will be in front of in front of tons of people that are actively watching you know what they're like they're actually paying attention to what they're watching um, uh, my friend Sarah June did one of your videos and she got retweeted by AOC. Is that the one they played on Fox News? Yeah, that's the one they played. Yeah, Sarah June is like Congratulations, very Sarah. critical yeah. to Means TV. She rules. Yeah, um, that's such a good credit for a comedian now. It's hated by Fox <laughs> News. Um, if you're in LA, go check her out. She's got a cool show. It's called High Priestess. Um, <laughs> well, then, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, on some level, then, like, this stuff is getting in the national stage. I just worry sometimes about. Uh, socialism be like talking to ourselves a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the problem is being like a bubble. I, I, guess. I mean, and that's why it's like, I mean, I agree, and I think that's why a lot of the videos we're trying to do are like so entry level, is so that it is like you can kind of come in with a more liberal or like social democrat kind of perspective, like not even knowing necessarily like what socialism is, and kind of be like, oh shit, like it would be pretty weird if I was against workers having power, you know, and yeah. like yeah. some of those kinds of things, but. I mean, yeah, the goal is to build like a mass media project ourselves that is worker owned and democratic. Uh, And I really think if we're putting out if we're putting out worker owned entertainment, it will be so 
far and above better than what's being produced by like Amazon. Like Amazon just released a whole statement saying they won't put out anything that's uh, controversial. So like nothing that <laughs> is like nothing that could be perceived as controversial. So it's like what does that even mean? It just yeah, yeah it just means like we're not gonna say anything about Israel or whatever. But it's no, like oh Amazon, you make our show about the woman with the bees in her eyes. It's got legs, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I think if you know we we exist under market capitalism, and so if we are able to produce a better product which i truly believe we are because the the left has all the artists has all the comedians has all the actors has all the good directors who for so long been having to work through these corporate structures like if we just work for ourselves and work with each other then we become the the media you know what i mean and, and we can just do these things ourselves like even doing that aoc video was just like a like a wake-up call to me that it's like we can just do this shit like we can just do this make it happen and like yeah. it's it then it exists you know what yeah. i mean and the on the the old system is starting there's starting to be some cracks where like a lot of people who you know traditionally the way you make it i guess in comedy is like you get a late night spot and we know so many people who have had like not only late night spots like half hours on comedy central and they're still like you know working for moving companies right and shit. i mean when He's you were like, a kid and you watched that shit it was like oh everybody who's on tv is like a millionaire or like it's like making good money or whatever and tv it, as a medium is like this fucking dying mothership it's like this crashing thing that used to be like all <laughs> zeppelin just yeah. exploding here because <laughs> it still is the hollow shell it's still shaped like what it used to be which is the fucking huge thing that everyone watched and everyone mm-hmm. had the same reference point for everything but people are stopped not watching it anymore so it's what's like it's paying less it's you know there's less funding going into it all the shit that's coming out on it is kind of bad and it's like it's just an echo of a thing that used to be and it is that's part of the monoculture being split into a million different directions but it's like it's just going away and i think like i don't know i mean the cable news thing it's like cable news and sports are like the two biggest things yeah but we're gonna do sports and we're gonna do gaming shit like we're gonna just start taking over some of these more popular entertainment markets and deliver them ourselves what's what's the angle gonna be on sports you're gonna have dave Siren? Uh, well, or, like that. Don't want to give I, away the. Yeah, I like. I'm not. We haven't like <laughs> sure. uh, confirmed anything with him yet, but like that sort of perspective yeah. of like, let's talk about like wh- how, you know, in addition to kind of covering sports and enjoying that for what it is, like let's also talk about like how exploitive like building stadiums is or like uh, the Olympics, like how that's just a giant fucking ruse and you know all these kinds of things. Like let's add like that extra dimension to sports so that's like. We can watch it, and it's like cool, whatever. It exists. Might as well enjoy it, have fun, watch baseball or whatever. Yeah. But we can also like talk shit about like the manager who's been doing this like uh, poor labor practices yeah. or whatever. Oh, so, cool! I like it. Something I think a lot about when there's the messaging with socialism, communism, Marxism, especially, is how do you get over the hurdle of uh, what happened in the 20th century with you know Stalin and Mao and some of these uh, governments. Um, like, is the, do you do you have a an idea for like a unified message for for confronting that question, or maybe your your personal view, or like how do you see that um, in terms of like creating propaganda that gets people into socialism without alienating them? Yeah, I mean, I think like I come from a more kind of anarchist perspective personally, where it's like I really want society to be horizontally organized. Like I want it to be like, you know community run i understand that some services have to be provided through some sort of kind of national collectivization but i think like the distinction i try to draw with like stalin and sort of uh like the russian revolution and things is like the difference between authoritarianism and kind of democracy and like democratic socialism and democratic communism um and obviously like socialism is inherently democratic like we don't need to say democratic socialism Socialism is democratic, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think um, that's well, why that, we've that's, that's why we've even been able to rehabilitate socialism is because we started saying democratic in front of it, right. and people were like, "Oh, not authoritarian." But that's the thing is that you're right. Socialism is inherently democratic, but that kind of goes against this like hardwired and long told story in America. That's like you know you notice when uh, when right wing people talk about like um, certain wars and stuff, they say like it was a war where it was you know democracy versus socialism or something like that. They don't say it was capitalism versus socialism but it's yeah it's like but how much the biggest things that i would say to that is like it's dumb but it's ideologically just right right, but it's easy to take apart because it's like one okay under capitalism which is free we're all so free you know just free as fuck like how much control do you have over your daily life like you have none you have to go to your job you have to make money you have to pay all your fucking bills you have to like you're doing so much just to maintain that i think is like 
that's like the good endpoint because like um, you know I mean so if you look at this this fractured world right there's no monoculture there's all these fucking different floating pieces I like think about this in terms of 2016 a lot of the time because that's when like there was like this presidential race where all these people were running on old school rules that applied to the world before the big fracture and everything mm-hmm. changed or whatever and uh, so you know this guy Trump comes along and he's the first person to kind of go oh like the, uh, yeah just a second um, so you know Trump comes along to this new landscape and whether by design or he just falls ass backwards into the situation, he sort of like realizes that um, he can sort of energize this base of people that are very resentful and the things that they're, they're you know, they're resentful of the fact that, that they're right, middle, most people. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you're in America. You're told the American dream is supposed to work. You're middle class. Your life's still fucked. You have no money. And then what do you do? You go, you tell them this is because of, and then what he does is tell them it's because of immigrants and Muslims and all sorts of other stuff. But, but conversely, like the, the same thing could happen if you, you go to people who are just fucking mad because they're, they got fucked over by the American dream and you go, this is happening in the, for the correct answer, which is because of capitalism and all these things that we understand to be true, that we understand to be the ills of society. So, like, that right there could be, I don't know, I guess... I, I mean, yeah, you have to use the economic resentments people have, but it's also, like, even, um, like, we're going to release a video uh, a few weeks from now about how there's no such thing as the middle class. It's like, I worked in advertising and marketing for a few, like, for a couple of years, and... Uh, it is 100% the product of like marketing and advertising. The whole idea of the middle class, like having a yard, yeah. all of that is to make you feel like you're closer to the owning class uh, and therefore like you are a different class, but you are a working class person and there is an inherent conflict between yourself and the owners of society. So it's like much more politically useful to us to kind of break down some of these barriers we impose on ourselves like i am a lower middle class it's like no you're not you're working class like i'm upper middle class it's like what the fuck does that even mean it's like are do you own factories or not you know what i mean yeah yeah there's like one there's one way there's a a pretty binary thing where it's a that illusion is there for a reason um i say all this stuff about like uh that being the big thing you can probably pull off because um you know We'll touch on this briefly or whatever, but like, uh, you know, fucking Bernie went on Fox News and uh, had a town hall and he crushed that yeah. thing I'm describing. It turned out to be, you know, observably true in that a bunch of Fox News people went, oh, yeah, we would like all this fucking healthcare and shit he's talking about. Um, I mean, the math on that's pretty simple to me. Um, it's also very funny because they fucking took a poll at the end of that thing. Would you vote for this person for president, this person for president, whatever? And um, I think it was like, you know, Trump got 40% and then Bernie got 47%, but they put him <laughs> second. They put Bernie second and they Hell put yeah. Trump on top just to it's try like to. 2016 all over again with like the delegate count bullshit. Yeah, dude, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Do you remember that shit? Like when they oh, were put. Yeah. That was wild. Like that still stands out to me as just like. You cannot trust these people as far as you can throw them. Like. It's insane to me that anyone saw that. I guess people just didn't understand it because, like, they did. I think a lot of people didn't don't understand the super delegate system, so they were like, you know, oh, uh, uh, what's it called, a uh, self fulfilling prophecy? Like, they were like, Hillary's already winning, therefore Hillary is who I should vote for, or whatever. And that's kind of what they were trying to get away yeah. with. Um, that also, that uh, just a note on what you were just describing in terms of there's no middle class. Something was kind of funny happened recently where um uh i shared an article in facebook i'll link it in the comments i guess since i'm talking about it or whatever but something came up uh an article i think in vulture came out about the the side hustles of musicians and i shared it because i think it's a really important thing to talk about and my personal philosophy on this which i'll you know encapsulate pretty quickly because i'll beat it to death in other episodes i'm sure is that as entertainers and people that make shit and creatives um, we need to talk about the fact that we have jobs and that we are not professionals because if we don't, then what we do is we contribute to the idea of the meritocracy. And what happens is that 
a rich person slides right past all of us without having to have fucking delivered pizzas or waited tables or whatever all day, and they get to claim that they competed against us fairly, and then they successfully, well, they're just they're good at what they do. That's why they have a job, right? So it's why it's like, no, I think like a thing you can do as a as a creative or as a fucking artist is go, hey, fuck you guys. It's cool. It's good that I have a job, and if we all self-identify as workers, the person who isn't a worker now is outed by negative space, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's this article that was great. It was, a, you know, it was just all about like these bands I like. This person from Charlie Bliss talked about working in a grocery store and all this stuff. Um, but they happened to mention the guy from Waves, right? And the guy from Waves, if you don't know, is like a landlord. But he keeps trying to pass it off as if he's like... Oh, this is like my hustle. Like I rent this apartment I rent to somebody. <laughs> Very cool, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they mentioned him in it, and then he's like delivering pizzas, or like the <laughs> just collecting rent, you know. Yeah. yeah. And he like shared. He's screenshotted this article and shared it in his Instagram live, and he was like. Yeah, see, like some people took this in way the fucking wrong direction and tried to take me down over it, but Vulture gets that I'm like, you know, I'm a fucking working man or whatever. And it's like, this is why people need these basic explainers of like Marxism and how this stuff works, because that is literally, you are literally the one thing that is Yeah, you are the owning class, yeah. <laughs> that, that is how this works. You are not the fucking worker in that situation. I think it's also like, peop- like we all, and I have a hard time with this too, it's like, people who are who we see as successful or like who have risen to the top under capitalism like there's no it's not merit-based it's nepotistic generally like it's it's like they are the child of somebody you know it's not like they're so it's like the people who are most elevated in our society whether they're entertainers or musicians aren't like the good ones you know what i mean it's like we our culture is shit because there's no sort of democracy or like uh, worker kind of ownership in any of that process. It's just like, oh, my son started a band. Like, cool, let's get him on the, the label. Great. You know what I mean? They're <laughs> all lying too. And it's like, you know what? I have a lot of friends that are openly rich, and I fucking love them. I think that's great. But what's usually what you get is a fucking story that's you know, retroactively engineered by a famous person about how they like worked so hard when they lived in New York for two years before their career took off or whatever. I think Lady Gaga has a story about how she worked in a coffee shop for like a year, and Brutal. you're supposed to read it, and you're supposed to go, wow. <laughs> And you're like, I still work in the fucking coffee shop. I mean, that's like literally delusion. That's like just being a rich person and not understanding the working class experience, though, and being like, I got a flavor. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, you did not. You know, like, were you evicted multiple times because you couldn't pay rent? Like, well, then you don't know what the fuck it's like, you know? You, then you really might know what it's like. Well, yeah, I think <laughs> if it happens to you. <laughs> to collect the rent. <laughs> yeah. You ride King of the Beach, and then you take Instagram, and then you get really sad, and then... <laughs> Well, then you really might know what it's like to be in waves. That's what they should do is write songs about being misunderstood landlords. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should write a neoliberal what it's like. Yeah. I mean, that really is like the that flies in the face of this idea that, you know, if you if you make a lot of money, it's because you work hard. Like it is not even a job like you do nothing. Like yeah. if you, you don't even have to do the maintenance shit. You can get other people to do that. Like you, you literally just have your name attached to a thing and collect money from it. Yeah, but this is like a concept that like we could use something like Meet CV to get out yeah. there because it's like real basic. I'm a believer because because I'm fucking from Texas and I had to work real hard to get myself deprogrammed and stuff you know i do like hanging out with all these intellectual fucking psychos that mm-hmm. i know in the dirtbag left and you know of course hang out with fucking crispin and sean kb and listen to them talk about history i'm like what the fuck is happening like this is yeah, interesting i don't know any of you're, this yeah you're insane you know but my i think that like a lot of us learned all this shit in college um and so we have a tendency to not realize that like you know this stuff got to be broken down real basically because you're dealing with someone who's ideologically just brainwashed to right. be against it or whatever and uh so that's like why you know i i, I think that these explainer videos are like a really good concept because yeah. like there are people that are like what do you mean like landlords or that's a job too you know right and there i didn't these- go to college so it's like i feel like very blessed almost in that way that like i didn't like i wouldn't have fucking i would have failed out very quickly but i did it's all <laughs> but it's like even to not have like seen that kind of world of academia and like kind of try to like I would have definitely tried to like fit in, you know what I mean? Like any I think person does and I think that would have taken a long time for me to unpack and try and figure out and um I stand with Chapo and saying college should be abolished. <laughs> <laughs> totally. 
Ugh. Who needs it? You know what I, I mean? fucking, I kind of want to do an episode about college at some point because I kind of got radicalized by going to college and going like, oh, wait a minute. This yeah, is this is a ruse. Bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like the, the, all the radical shit that you learn, like I went to, I went to community college and then I went to a liberal arts college, uh, which thankfully I only did for, uh, for, for a while. I wish I would have gone there longer, but I was only there for two years. Uh, which now I'm I'm glad for because I didn't become a total n- nutcase. Um, <laughs> well, I was already one. TBD. <laughs> which one of us is going to eat each other again? Who <laughs> was pitching that? Well, yeah. we, it's up to it's up to God. Um, but like, yeah, all the radical shit, all the simple stuff is packed in this like incomprehensible jargon now, and it's especially happened since like the '80s, since when. Um, when postmodernism started and they they and uh they made uh academia made um culture the domain of political struggle because before that it was like we got to align ourselves with workers uh you know in the 80s there was fucking uh, air traffic controllers on strike there's miners on strike academics didn't do any of that instead they were like, let's write about mork and mindy and throw a bunch of like psychoanalytic jargon that no one can understand in this and at the same time they're getting tenure they're making money from these expensive ass books that no one can afford and it's this little bubble and it's not doing anything uh, because they're they're saying like oh the left is dead modernism is dead like we all we have to do is just kind of stare at our navels and we'll pat ourselves on the back for that uh, yeah. and now that's coming apart thankfully yeah, yeah. they're just companies yeah like, pretty much some comedian I can't remember who this was I saw him a long time ago just offhandedly do a line in his act about how like you know you go to college and you have to write an essay about how birthdays are racist or whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah that's pretty much what college is some shit that wouldn't hold water outside of that room at all you know it's complete fucking stretch and you're being told it's like this is the most important well it's also masturbatory it's like you're it's like learning for the sake of learning to be like a learned person you know and it's like it's not you're not gaining knowledge in order to like uh, empower your worldview or like empower you politically or as a worker it's just like I know you know all these things now like I read Marx as just like a book you know what I mean and yeah. it's, right. uh, it's not mm, interesting thing to consider yeah, yeah. yeah it's not like contextualized in any like meaningful way I straight up knew a guy who was a Marxian who he wouldn't call himself a Marxist but he applied all the Marx's theorizing about the economy to being a stockbroker because, he, I mean, he was a brilliant economist, and you can do that, but it's like, fuck, you kind of defeated the purpose there. Wow, yeah, that's like kind of a special level it's of evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like using the, it's like playing a game genie or something, using the code to then cheat. It's fucking weird. <laughs> how did, so how did you get into radical politics? It was Bernie, man. I was, really? it was, I was like a lib up to 2016. I like just had no idea that there was like anything beyond like Barack Obama. You know sure, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, and then Bernie ran, and he like talked about like uh, there's a uh, there's an inherent tension between the owners of society and the workers, and it's like, oh, that actually, if you look at the world that way, everything makes a lot more sense, and like all these sort of systems of oppression, like. I worked in liberal kind of film, like documentary too. So it was like very performative. Like you do a film about like a, a refugee family, you know, and it would just be like very, it would just kind of end in like a very vague, like, you know, crazy, <laughs> like, like this is fucked up, you know, but it yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't have any sort of like, it wouldn't point you anywhere. And so as a filmmaker, it was like, I was trying to also figure out like, how do I, like, what is it? What am I just making videos to make videos, you know? And it right. was, um, yeah. So hearing that, stuff made a lot of sense i like volunteered for his campaign knocking doors and stuff and then uh yeah like very quickly like trying to make money for myself was like yeah this whole system like i'm barely getting by like i don't understand how like other people who don't have like all these advantages i have are fucking making it like this seems insane you know totally that is really like a thing about liberalism is that like especially if you're looking at the art and media that's produced by liberalism is it's just ideologically empty. Yeah, it's like vice shit where it's like they'll go to Syria and they'll like it's just shock porn where it's like children starving and it's like there's no solution because it would actually like challenge the hegemony, you know? And yeah, vice is a really good example of it because every everything is just like look at this. Wasn't that fucked up? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yes, it was, Vice. What do yeah. you think we should do about it? I don't know. Yeah. I've, I, I've heard their biggest online audience is law enforcement. 
Wow, I that's that wouldn't be surprised. I know it makes sense because it's yeah, all like seeking, yeah, yeah. It's like people with fucking like PTSD who like can't get enough or whatever. Oh like, yeah, sure. And they just yeah. want to see like yeah, fucking they're shit getting bombed out. A, a good example of a like a, a cultural touchstone. Like remember when they were like cool? They're very much not cool anymore. But they, yeah, they, I mean Vice Live just got like shut down yesterday too. They're canceling that whole thing. Yeah, I used to think it was kind of a bad idea that they started like. A TV channel instead of a streaming network because that I was, was like, the whole pro- the whole promise of Vice was Shane Smith. He, so Shane Smith, who's like a total grifter, like yeah. set up Vice as essentially a pyramid scheme, right? <laughs> but like uh, the whole thing, he was the whole sell was we're going to bring millennials back to cable television, which yeah. will never fucking happen. <laughs> yeah, why? And he knew damn well that that would never happen. And so I think it was really like he was just trying to make his money and get the fuck out, which he did, you know. Yeah. Or he like his audience is maybe correctly assessed to be people that are like well i guess older millennials like people that would watch tv it's just such a weird move to move backwards like that but it makes sense because like yeah vice is kind of a thing of the past he got the paycheck for it though basically yeah he's out he's not even on the i think he's on the board still but he doesn't run the company Uh, he doesn't they just brought in like media executives to manage it now (laughs) he doesn't intro those documentaries anymore by just sitting at a chair (laughs) i I, uh auditioned to pull him in a movie one time and i had to like i'm not really an actor but I was like, all right, I'm gonna do acting, and I'm like I just fucking spent all week like watching him and trying to learn to talk like him and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Canadian project, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like one of like one of Vice. So Vice was never really founded other with any other like core belief system other than like we're gonna be edgy and like punk or whatever that meant. Yeah. Kind of, which is a changing window constantly like what edgy is what what is punk you know and so it's like not only was there no real grounding and like this is where we stand like on the sort of ideological spectrum it was they also had a fucking like fascist in their midst you know what i mean and like yeah. uh well, his, his idea of edgy was reactionary exactly it was kind right. of just what reacting to whatever you know and then uh inserting his he really like used a certain camouflage to hide what was just ideological hipster camouflage racism yeah. as like no I'm like really cool it was fucking weird it was very prescient of like things to come although I guess he kind of created a lot of that shit but he did create a lot of that shit so that's why I say meet CV what if Vice would good you know yeah that's the whole thing yeah it's like what if Vice had a fucking was leftist <laughs> you know <laughs> and like it was also worker owned and didn't pay people twenty thousand dollars a year yeah. Yeah, and you didn't need to form unions against... Dude, and they have an internal advertising agency. Like, most places, like, I just doing research kind of, like, on different digital media companies, like, they all have internal advertising agencies that, like, brands will come to them and be like, you all reach young, like, audiences or whatever. We want to sell Pepsi to young audiences. So they'll literally take that like you know multi, like hundreds of thousands of dollars from pepsi and then do like an ad campaign through vice and then say it's like this is a sponsored thing through vice or whatever and so they'll go to like a pepsi factory and do it like a normal vice video but it's sponsored wow that sucks ass everywhere has that though buzzfeed has that Damn. like and it's like a lot like they even vice did some shit where they went to saudi arabia to talk about how under the new prince Mohammed bin salman things are modernizing and shit yeah, yeah. it's just disgusting they, they they pass it off as journalism and it's fucking disgusting i bet gavin mcginnis loves it it's yeah that saudi arabia is probably his paradise like like high-tech like misogyny <laughs> mechanized misogyny yeah yeah I don't know what he's up to these days. The the funniest thing about Gavin McGinnis is that the most important thing in the world to him is being cool, and he'll never be cool again. He just has to hang out with, like, Alex Jones and shit now. Yeah, he probably hates his Proud Boys, like... Yeah. We should make a video that's like a, a Vice spoof. I'll do Shane. I'll intro it. And then we'll, <laughs> we you, visited. Did you see a, the documentary now spoof that yeah, they did? Yeah, yeah. That was pretty funny. Where they just like <laughs> all the journalists get yeah. killed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think uh, unless anyone else wants to hit anything before we get out of here, that's pretty much it. We talked about Buttigieg and what it's like uh, enough, I think. Um, Can I do a plug? Absolutely. Yeah. Plug away. Yeah, please check out means.media. We are on uh, YouTube at youtube.com slash means TV. We have the original Neon Cat video as well on that channel. Thank you, Sarah June. Oh, yeah. Um, we're ne- currently Neon Cat is radicalized. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> mean the shit out of them. Uh, we're also doing a fundraiser right now, trying to raise money for the actual platform. Um, we have over 1,000 supporters. We've raised over $50,000 so far. But we're trying to raise 500000 So... Um, if you can, please support us in uh, building like worker-owned media. Cool. 
at Anders Lee here on Twitter. I will be announcing some more dates soon for my uh, solo comedy show, Dummy, about the autistic spectrum and how it intersects with eugenics, capitalism, etc. Um, it's going to be uh, going to be doing it a few times in New York and the East Coast, and then uh, back to Edinburgh. So if you're in the UK, uh, please come out in August. You can find a dummy hyphen solo show on Facebook. Cool. Um, I'm you know feral jokes and everything. You know that. Um, I haven't been advertising this enough, and I just realized I haven't been because uh, we show kind of was like the other night. But uh, Yoko, my live stand up stand up show at El Cortez and Bushwick. Um, we are. Bi-monthly right now, I think. Um, I'll, I'll push it way harder online so that we can all hang out and get drunk in the top of a Mexican restaurant um, and watch fucking crazy stand-up and shit. Um, we've had good people in the past. We've had Todd Berry. We've had Connor O'Malley. You know the guy who screams at Howard Schultz? He did my show. You come out and you can see shit like Connor O'Malley. That um, was. It was fucking tight. <laughs> did he do the, the bit? Like, was he all bloodied up and shit? No, nah, man. His <laughs> act is like a live drill, I would describe it as. It's just <laughs> weird segments where he's kind of screamy. But uh, that bit is like its own isolated thing. Like I don't think he's doing Beautiful. it on stage or whatever. It's no, just it's a like, gem. It's a total gem. It's very funny because it's it's presented with zero context, so it's just an unfolding story. But uh, it's also my guide to the 2020 primaries. Uh, I'll vote for whoever he tells me to. <laughs> so this is now a Howard Schultz podcast, I guess. <laughs> um, he's a good tipper too. Uh, Connor? I served him once. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Thank you, Anders. <laughs> Find me, Anders. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably it. I don't know. Tour date soon. Patreon for more bonus shit. And uh, thank you for listening and supporting the show. I just remembered it. I saw a good man bomb. I saw a bad man kill. I saw a girl write for guy code just to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> then you really might know what it's like. It could happen to you. All right, good night. Good night. It's the day. Whatever. Fuck it. Mr. Howard Schultz, I'll do anything to get your. I could do anything to get your fucking ass elected. Please. I want. To, I want there to be Starbucks president. Your first brand uh, president ever. <laughs> and I want to say that I'm so fucking happy that everyone get puppuccinos and everybody get cappuccino. Only no coffee man can stop the Kofifi guy. <laughs>